to overcome, succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, defeat of an opponent to prevail, overpower or overwhelm of an emotion, adversity, a difficult or unpleasant situation, used in a sentence, resilience in the face of adversity. I want to break free. Welcome back, all you podcast listeners, to the Overcoming Adversity podcast, episode number 18, lucky number 18 of our lovely little podcast. I am Blake Cohen, and I'm here with my other lovely co-hosts. That's assuming that that's saying that I'm lovely also, by the way. My lovely co-host, Amanda Marino. Hey, what's going on, Blake? Happy to be here. I can't believe we're already at 18. I know. I know we also we've broken over the fifteen hundred listens mark, by the way. Oh, sweet. So we're we're inching up to two thousand now. Get up to five K. That's the next goal for me. Yeah, me too. Well, I I take baby steps. So I'm gonna go two thousand and then three thousand and take it a thousand at a time. Then once we get to five thousand, it's like in sobriety. You kind of like you can't wait, you count every year until you get to five, and then all of a sudden you're like, ah, ten is the next big one. No, I like to think big. I like to go for the long, you know, the long game. Sorry. Okay. I'm going for five. I'm going for 5,000. There's a reason that <laughs> you and I work together. That <laughs> I could focus on the now and the little goals and you focus on the long term. The there big- you go. All about balance. Exactly. So we have a awesome guest today with a, a pretty powerful story. And I'm going to go ahead and let Amanda introduce him. Yes, uh, we're so excited today to have Eric Paskin on our podcast. We've been talking to Eric uh, about having him on for some time, um, you know, knowing some of the the struggles and the battles and the adversities that Eric has gone through and come out the other end, you know, shining and, you know, just a great example of, of how we can get through things in life, you know, um, and just I've known Eric for, for years. We've worked together in capacities and just always been connected um, so we're really excited to have you here, Eric. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be on the podcast and congratulations to, on episode 18. Thank you. Yeah, we weren't sure Thanks. where this was going to go. Amanda kind of reached out to me one day and said, Hey, I think we should work together in some capacity and probably a podcast and let's do something creative. And it's kind of turned into this really, it's been educational for me for sure. And Eric, I know that, you know, we, we kind of touched base a little before the show, but, you know, you, you definitely had, you know, a journey, you know, you know, along the past few years, especially. Um, and so we're just, we know that your experience and what you've been through is really going to help other people that listen. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks again for having me. Thanks for uh, believing that I have something to offer somebody, uh, <laughs> you know, certainly, Certainly, when you, you, know, you talk about adversity, I have had my fair share of adversity in my life, uh, especially over the last several years, last few years. And uh, you know, I've learned that if I can help somebody with anything that I've gone through, then, uh, then I'm being of service. And that's, uh, that's something that I try to strive for in my life today. So uh, excited to have the opportunity to share a little bit about you know, what I've gone through and hopefully it helps somebody. 
Awesome, man. Yeah. And I think that's always the goal is that as long as we can do something that is going to influence others, and there are a lot of listeners out there with from all different walks of life and have all different adversities that they've experienced. So I, and your story is, is unique, but you know, you, people don't talk about it too often, but I think it's a pretty big worry that a lot of parents go through and you know, you've, you've come out on the other side. So um, if you want to tell us a little bit about, tell the listeners a little bit about the specific adversity that you wanted to talk about today uh, as it relates to you and your family. Sure. So uh, I'd be glad to. Um, the the uh, adversity that you were alluding to was at five days old, my second child, uh, Benny, uh, Benjamin, uh, was rushed to Cornell Weill Medical Center in uh, the Upper East Side in New York City with a perforated lower intestine that had gone undiagnosed. It ruptured. He went septic and he was literally dying. And uh, in fact, the surgeon said he was um, an hour away from probably dying, literally minutes. So, um, and I can't uh, imagine. Yeah, it was, it was literally the scariest day and days of our lives, my wife and I. Um, he, he was so sick, in fact, that uh, they did something very unusual, which is usually once you're born, once a, a newborn is born and they've gone home, uh, if they're sick again, uh, they go to the hospital and they go into an ICU. He was so sick, in fact, that he was admitted into the, the neonatal ICU which is unheard of because of bringing infection into, you know, to other very vulnerable children. But he was so sick, in fact, they deemed it necessary. Uh, and uh, over a 96-day period, I believe he had uh, six or seven major procedures, uh, including um, a ileostomy bag, that we had to change multiple times a day while he was in the ICU. And then a teeny oh, tiny. Oh, they're so little yeah, too. Yeah. And they're then, ulti- and then ultimately they did a reversal when they repaired his intestines, where they put him back together and removed the bag uh, prior oh to God. him going home to us. So, uh, 90, uh, don't quote me on this, but, uh, definitely three months plus, a few days in the ICU, uh, six or seven surgeries. Um, and, uh, meanwhile, I, at the time had a, uh, Benny has an older brother, Gabriel, who's now seven and a half. And, uh, we had to show up and be, uh, available to him for his little life. And so it was a quite a balancing act and, a lesson in patience and trust and faith and hope. And um, I learned a lot. (laughs) So you, I mean, that's the kind of supposed to be one of the happiest days ever when you're having a new kid born and, and he was okay when he was born, right? There was no really signs of it that first couple days. Is that right? Correct. Correct. So in fact, I remember this, clearly. And, and, you know, they say mommy's always know best. So he had been home for a couple of days and I had taken my older son out because I still wanted my older son to know, you know, Hey, even though we have this little 
person in our lives now, you're still our number one. You're still, you know, you're, you're still our guy. And so I wanted to take him out. We had a special lunch and um, my wife called me and said, there's something wrong with, with my son, with our baby. And of course, my initial reaction, like I think most insensitive husbands is, ah, oh, you're crazy. Right. right. And um, so a couple of days went on and then we had a follow up uh, visit to the pediatrician. And uh, at that visit, in fact, I'll tell you this part of the story because I think it's it's puts things in perspective. Was we went to the uh, pediatrician. They said they thought he was okay, that it would just pass. You know, he was a little bloated and his abdomen was distended. We got in the car. We drove around the block. They we were heading home. They called the office. Called us again. The pediatrician's office called us again and said, "You know what? Can you bring him back? We have somebody in the practice." who used to work in the neonatal ICU. I mean, we want to have, him, have her take a quick look at him. Mm-hmm. So we circled around the block, walked in. She took one look at him and said, you got to immediately go to the hospital. Oh my um, God. So, I mean, if we had not received that call or if I had been on a work call, which I routinely am, as you guys know, and I had maybe muted that call or you know put that call in the voicemail, uh, my son quite possibly wouldn't be alive today. Oh my God. And what is the panic, the sense of panic that has, or are you telling yourself in your head, like everything's fine, maybe this is just routine, that he's a baby, so everybody's always a little bit more paranoid? Well, yeah, so in fact, they didn't tell us, they knew in, in a later conversation with the, um, uh, with the pediatrician's office and, and the NP and, and on staff, she said they knew something was wrong when we came back and they didn't want us to panic. Uh, unfortunately, by the time we had re- reached the, the emergency room, they had already prepped the OR and he was projectile vomiting green bile. And there was no time even to do any exploratory surgery. They did, they did emergency surgery immediately. And... Um, while that while they were prepping the OR, I actually had to leave and go pick up my older son because he was getting out of school. Now, did he so, know anything that was going on? Was he able to connect? I mean, he was really young, but was he able to connect to anything like that things were wrong or does he remember? So he, so he didn't know anything was going on at the time because he was at school that day. Um, I have a video of him. Uh, he did later on realize he was sick. He, in fact, wasn't able to see his brother for three months because they didn't allow children in the ICU. Right. So he didn't see his brother for three months after wow. meeting his little brother, being separated for three months. But I have this video of Gabriel sitting on our bed. In a, we were living in a temporary apartment because we were living in New York City at the time. And it was just too... Uh, we, we lived all the way downtown and we were going to this hospital all the way uptown. So we took a temporary apartment so that we could walk to the hospital and be there at a moment's notice. And I have a video of my son saying a prayer, sitting on his bed, saying a prayer, asking God to let his brother Betty be okay and come home. Oh, so I still have that God. video. Yeah, it was, oh. it's, yeah, it was, it, it was very emotional and it, it was an extremely emotional time and stressful time. And uh, as you guys know, the fact that I own a treatment center across the country in Los Angeles, 
I didn't go to work for four months. I wasn't on site one day in four months. I mean, how could almost, you be? Right. I almost pretended that work didn't exist. Right. Well, thank God and you have the right people in place that you were able to do that, you know, and have yeah. everything be okay. Yeah, I, I'm really grateful. At the time, my partner really stepped up and really was really supportive of the entire situation. And uh, at the and same yes, time, you I, probably didn't give a shit. Yeah, that. you know, it's one you of know? those things. It's it's one of those things where at the time, it, I wouldn't have cared if we had closed the business. You know, right. you look at it, it. It's funny how your perspective can change. On and I think one of the things about being in a in a twelve step fellowship and in, in recovery is is you know that we have this day at a time you know this day at a time process and at that time all I cared about was that my family was healthy that my children were healthy that's all I wanted in the entire world right and now fast forward a few years later I can lose sight of that you know thirteen years sober. I can lose sight of that still like, wow, remember when all you cared about was this, which is all that really matters anyway. I mean, without your health, do you have anything? I mean, and it's so easy with all these, all the work I've done and all the people I've helped and my personal program and all the things that I practice to still lose sight that like, that's really all that matters. Right. All right. Yeah, and it's not like you want to flash back to those times, but it is a good offering, a good helping of perspective when you remember that those times were really hard and that's what was mattered. And at that point, if you brought yourself back in time, there was nothing else that you could think of. No, no, there, I literally, there wasn't a single thing else that I cared about. It was basically, I, I pray and hope that my, my baby's going to be okay and I pray that I have the strength and the fortitude to show up and get my older son to his school and to his activities and his playdates and the birthday parties. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> I will say that support your wife and yeah, support <laughs> my wife. Right. And be there for my wife. And in that time period, uh, I got shingles. I was so stressed out. I got, I got oh. shingles. Of oh course. Like Comes out medically. <laughs> like you didn't have enough. <laughs> right. I, I, and of course, you know, I said, how could I get, at the time I was, let's see, this was three years ago. So I was uh, 40. Uh, and I was like, how can I have shingles? Shingles is a, in my, in my mind, an old person's illness. Right. I'm 40. I'm healthy. <laughs> I go to yoga. I do, I go, how can I have shingles? But my, I was just so stressed out and that's how that, that occurred. So that added another level of adversity uh, at that time because it made, um, it, it then made it hard to visit him. I wasn't allowed to visit him for a couple of weeks while that was active for, for about Right. Of course. I didn't even think about that. So yeah. then you're stuck not being able to, Oh God, what a, what a nightmare, this whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, as I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm actually smiling because I'm thinking about the current adversities I have professionally and, in our industry and, and just in life in general. And I'm kind of smiling because I know that if I could get through that, I can get through what I'm currently going through. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think 
the whole point of this podcast is to show people that human beings are so much more resilient than we think. And we, we are able to get through some pretty serious situations and come out on the other side, a better person and, and having learned something from it. I know I'm shocked to hear the things. I just don't know how you even functioned through that and how you were able to show up for your son and other son and show up for your wife. I mean, like, and didn't just crumble. That's, that's, you know? Yeah, it was, it was a big, um, it was a huge learning experience, right? It was a huge, um, you know, I, I think it's so easy when everything is going great to talk, you know, to throw slogans out, right? And these kind of spiritual sayings, but it was a real, real practice in a moment at a time, you know, let go, trust, kind of put one foot in front of the next. I mean, this is not, uh, to put things in perspective, I remember somebody asking like, how did you get through it, Patty? There were days, days, I'm not exaggerating, I didn't shower. I didn't brush my teeth. Like I, I literally, I got up, I got out of the bed. I took my kids. I took Gabriel to school. I came back. I came back. I went right to the hospital. I'd go pick my wife up something to eat. I'd relieve her for a couple hours. Uh, you know, I might step out and make a phone call. I'd come back. I, I, it was purely like one foot in front of the next, one foot in front of the next. And, um, Wow. You know, luckily we had a little bit of support and on, on the weekends, my in-laws would take my older son uh, for a night. So my wife and I could actually go and grab something to eat outside of the hospital um, and then go right back to the hospital. Right. We'd have like a couple hour reprieve and then we'd go back to the hospital and, um, you know, hope that Benny had a good night or uh, nothing else transpired because while we were there, you know, he got sick in the hospital. He got a blood clot. He had an infected pick line. Um, oh. He had he had to have another part of his intestine removed because it started to bleed and started to die. And uh, it, it just nothing went smoothly. It's like, this yeah, is like it, it, right. It wasn't. It was. You know, it was. I remember right after his first surgery and the surgeon coming in and and. You know, of course, we're like thinking we're going home. And she goes, oh, no, you're here for three or four months. And my wife literally fainting and me having to pick her up off the floor. And we thought at that moment, okay, everything's going to be okay from here on out. Uh, only yeah. to find out, like, there were multiple procedures and multiple infections and multiple complications. And even after he was released and we went home to our temporary apartment, uh, so we could still be in close proximity for follow-up. We had another emergency episode where he had to go back. And uh, and then a year and a half ago, he had another intestinal blockage and we spent another two nights in the in the ICU. <laughs> so it's how old is he ongoing. now, Eric? He's he's three and a half now. Three and, three and, a, half. and a half. And he's and amazing. Now, now through this process, you and your wife, like how did this this unit, I'm sure the unity together was like no other to try to get through this and to, you know, like, what did it, how did, how did it change your relationship or deepen it? Uh, it made, so you, you really find out what relationships are made of. Mm. I think during difficult times, right? Yeah. It's, it's easy to be in a relationship with somebody when, 
there's plenty of money and no worries and no job issues and everybody's healthy. Uh, we really, uh, let's see, at this point, we have been married uh, five years and like five, yep, five years at the time. And because we're coming up on our eighth wedding anniversary, so about five years. Um, I want to say like our bond grew so close yeah. because uh, I was able to actually be my authentic, you know, you know, it's one thing I was able to show anger and sadness and, and fear and doubt and insecurity. And here was this woman who didn't judge me, well, was there to support me and vice versa. Um, my wife is much stronger than I am, however. Uh, she's, she's much more uh, stoic. So I don't think my wife cried until he came home from the hospital. Oh my God. Literally, I don't think she cried until he came home from the hospital. I would be a blubbering <laughs> mess the entire time. Well, that was me. I would walk into the, I, I would walk in and look at him and just start crying. Do you know right. that my, my biggest fear in having children, and this is why Christy and I are, you know, we're newlyweds still, but we're still pushing it off. And we don't know when or if. My biggest fear is something happening to the kid. And I don't even have a kid yet. And I can get choked up even thinking about something happening. It scares me that much. It's definitely, it was definitely, and still is the scariest thing that I have ever, ever had to go through. I mean... It, I'm more it, powerless than anything in the universe. Like oh, you cannot do anything to help. You, and as a you, father, I mean, oh. Yeah, and I and I and I kind of think of myself as kind of like a macho, tough, kind of strong guy. Me too. And and, and <laughs> certainly because of my position at work and my my career, I have taken a lot of control and charge and still do. I mean, I run a you know a pretty large company. I really had to trust that these surgeons knew what they were doing, mm. right? that these medical professionals, that they knew what they were doing. And, and sometimes these, these professionals, you know, this is second nature to them, right? This is, this is what they do. And so they might not have the bedside, bedside manner or, you know, they have another 20 patients they're dealing with. And I just had to trust that like nothing was personal, that if I didn't get an answer I didn't like, or I didn't get an answer in a timely fashion, or uh, I didn't necessarily understand or, or trust or agree what was happening, that I still had to believe, right? I had to believe that they had the experience and they knew what they were doing and that I was completely powerless. Right. <laughs> so I, I want to, I mean, uh, there's nothing else you could have done. And I, so I, I kind of want to bring you to now afterwards. And I imagine that it took a while to get a sense of normalcy back in the house after such a traumatic event for so long. What did, when did life sort of turn back to normal and how was life changed? So that's a, th those are great questions. So light, uh, it took a while. So in fact, uh, and Benny is a healthy, strong, vibrant little boy, uh, beautiful little boy, uh, huge personality, and just lights up a room. 
But I mean, he still can't eat certain things because they make it hard for his digestion. Um, and so he, he still, we still have him on somewhat of a, a specialized diet. Mm-hmm. But it took, it took months for us to be like, okay, we can go back to our apartment, our regular apartment, where we didn't have to be in close proximity to the, the hospital. Um, so we were living in this temporary apartment for several months. Um, my wife and I, you see Benny's three and a half. We've never left him alone. He, we have not been away together alone since he got sick, since before he got sick. Uh, so in some respects, uh, we're still not there all the way, right? Because there are, there, there has been trauma, right? There has right. been, um, there is still fear. But now we travel. I mean, my older son is, a, my seven-year-old is a nationally ranked snowboarder. So we've been in Colorado in high altitude and we've been in uh, Mammoth in, in the high Sierras in California. And wow. We flew from LA to New York. So, so we have a normal life now. Um, but wh- when we talk about where do we want to go on vacation, um, hopefully I can afford to go on vacation this year. <laughs> but uh, when we talk about where places we want to go, a place has to have pretty good access to medical care because he is still prone, then he is still prone to having children who have these issues uh, are more prone. Anybody can get an intestinal blockage that okay. could rupture. Uh, but Benny, because he's lost a section of his intestine and there's scar tissue and he is more prone to getting these types of blockages, which could end up uh, rupturing. Uh, in fact, I, I mentioned earlier, that a year and a half ago, we had a two-night stint where he got an intestinal blockage and got very sick at home and had to spend two nights in the, uh, in the hospital, inpatient. Wow. So, but I, I, I don't think about it the same way I used to. It used to be, you know, the major concern of the day was his health. Right. And, and, and we don't have that anymore. I mean, most days... We, you know, weeks, months, nothing. He's, he's a normal little boy. Um, but we have to do, take some precautions. Sure. Like when we move from New York to LA so that I could be closer to the facility full time, you know, we had to find a gastroenterologist. We had to have a inter, you know, we had to interview a surgeon in case he ever had to have another surgery. We, you, you have to have a, a medical file basically because he has a lengthy medical history. These are things that we don't have with my older child. So we all, we're, we're still learning in, in, in many cases. I think you will be. You'll continue to be. And I think that's this whole thing's a learning process that you'll get through as a family. And just if this offers you any type of sense of hope. Uh, so my father actually went through the exact same thing that your son did as a baby and is now in his 60s, very successful and, and lived a successful life. And obviously certain things in life has changed for him. And But I do remember my whole life, there's always been every couple of years, every five, six years, he ends up in the hospital for a couple of nights, nothing he's not used to, he gets through it and it's okay. Uh, there is that, there's still that issue that pops up because of, like you said, parts of the intestine are missing and scar tissue. 
but it doesn't mean that you can't live a successful and happy and very healthy life. So there's, your son's got a bright, beautiful future. That's always, that's my hope. That's my hope. And I believe it. So. Well, brother, I appreciate you sharing your story with us and uh, you know, we're coming towards the end here. Yeah. Very strong, Eric. I, I again, can't imagine what it's like to go through that with your son. Yeah, it was, uh, again, like I said, I, I don't wish it on anybody. I don't wish anybody to ever have this happen with any loved one, especially a child, but it has given me a different outlook on life and on what I feel. Um, it keeps me grounded. It really does. It keeps me grounded and focused on really what's important. And so now I try to look at it as, as almost a blessing, right? Because, you know, with years in recovery, I, it was, it's still easy to lose sight of what's important. And I look back on these mo- on those moments and, uh, it's really helped my perspective change. And I think that's the the main common thread that we see with almost all of our guests is that the greatest hardships that people could possibly go through often become blessings. Of course, with the exclusion of a couple of things like the loss of, of a child and stuff, it's really hard for that to be a blessing. But even then there's still underlying blessings that it brings people together. There's always a silver lining that ends up showing its head later on and it makes you a stronger person and it changes you. But oftentimes in a better way. I'm so glad we got to hear your, your message, Eric, and that we, you know, all of our trying to get this together, that it finally was able to work out because I think that people need to, you know, be inspired by this and that, you know, that you can get through through something so challenging and, and come together as a family. Yeah. I appreciate you guys, you know, continuing to work with our schedules and, uh, I know we, we had a, you know, some scheduling issues and I'm glad that you guys felt it was important for me to get on here. I really appreciate it and uh, appreciate the work that you guys are doing. And by the way, I will take accountability. Most of the scheduling issues were my fault. So I apologize about that. Job has been a little crazy recently. You're a busy, you're a busy and popular young man. So I guess there you so. Go. I mean, those are, that's, uh, it's important. So uh, you're doing important work. So uh, it, it, it definitely takes precedence. I appreciate it. Man. Eric, do you want to, do you want to let it out? I know you were just in the middle of a bromance, so I apologize, but, um, <laughs> but <laughs> if you don't mind, actually, I want to keep hearing more compliments. <laughs> How wonderful you are. You're, you're yeah. fu- you guys are, you guys are funny. You guys right. are funny. Keep going. Uh, no, I, I just think, you know, I'm glad to have the opportunity. I'm glad to, you know, be here. I'm glad uh, again, appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Uh, I, so, Big sigh of relief that I'm not in that anymore, um, but I but I am using that uh, to to go through some difficult challenges that I'm facing, uh, that many of us are facing daily, right? And uh, you know we 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 continue to I think resilience is just so important, and and I'm I'm glad that uh, mine's built up a little bit. So, well then, Amanda, do you want to let it out? Let it out. Oh, God. I don't know. Usually I have something that's irritating me. I just feel like feisty today that if somebody, you know, like, you know, those moods, like if you're just like really hoping you don't see the wrong person or like somebody doesn't say something to you sideways, like I'll just, you know, rear. So that's how I'm feeling today. (laughs) So I'm just hoping that I don't see anyone that like really irritates me because I feel like I'll have no filter. And it's one of those, I don't get like this very often. So, but I feel very feisty today. So that's my let it out. Stay out of my way. (laughs) Stay out of her way. Let it out. 
don't go near her or she will let it out. So I want, th- and we don't want that. We do not want that. I've, I've seen Amanda's rage. It's not fun. So, I've, I've toned it down. I've toned it down. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're fine. I have to say that or cause I'm, I'm much more you. loving these days. <laughs> yeah. I have to agree or I will get yelled at. So I'm just going to go ahead and agree with that. And, or get uh, your ass kicked. Yeah. So, um, I might let it out, you know, there's, I let it out. It's just that uh, I need to focus on perspective again, you know, a lot what Eric talked about and focusing on perspective and what matters in life and who matters in my life and whose opinion matters and whose doesn't. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy people out there who like to make up a lot of crazy accusations and, and do just be wild with their, their thoughts. And that's the beauty of social media is that it's given people who shouldn't have a platform, a platform to, to just express all of their, their, their mental illness in a way that often is, is very hurtful towards others. Uh, so it's uh, up to me to really manage my feelings and my emotions and how I react to things. And um, that's my let it out is that I'm just sort of focusing on uh, what's important and what's, what's reality. And that's it. I love it. So Eric, thank you again, brother. It really, I'm glad that we, I'm not glad we waited, but it definitely led to a great podcast. So I, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys having me on and uh, allowing me this opportunity. It's our and pleasure. please visit, please visit us. So if you come to Florida, you know, definitely we'll all grab lunch or something. I would love that. Thanks for having me, guys, and happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, happy holidays. Absolutely. And give absolutely. your give your give your boys a hug for us, please. Give definitely. both of them I, a hug. I absolutely will. I absolutely will. Two troopers. So, Amanda, how can they find us? Um, you can find us on Facebook at Overcoming Adv- Adversity Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, which has not been very active lately, but yeah, that's Overcoming Adversity Podcast as well. You can email us if you have. Um, someone you want to nominate or some something you've been through yourself um, that it would be a something that would be a good overcoming adversity podcast topic. We'd love to hear from you at overcoming adversity podcast at gmail.com. You can awesome. find Blake at Blake E. Cohen on Facebook and me at Amanda Empowers Coaching. All right. Well, thank you everybody. And we appreciate you guys listening to episode number 18. Stay tuned for a couple weeks from now episode number 19 which should be a good one I bye everybody bye